Let's get into the message this morning. Nantucket is located next to some of the most important shipping lanes on the east coast of the United States. And towards the, towards the end of the 1800s, Nantucket Island saw hundreds of vessels passing by each day, all navigating those waters without GPS or modern technology. And treacherous shores and stormy weather led to over 700 shipwrecks in and around Nantucket Island, causing the area to be dubbed the Graveyard of the Atlantic. Now, all of this was prior to the start of organized life-saving efforts. Sailors who were involved in shipwrecks in that area were very likely to perish. Because even if they made it to shore, the limited shelter offered by the dunes didn't drastically improve their conditions and chances of survival. So faced with this large number of shipwrecks and this large loss of life, the people in the surrounding communities of Nantucket Island began to work to prepare to save lives of these shipwrecked victims. They built life-saving huts all along the shore. They would have volunteers who would go out to all of these shipwrecks. Volunteers, not paid staff, volunteers who would risk their life to go out and rescue the lives of other people. They produced uh, uh, instructional material on how to do CPR, and they taught uh, swimming lessons in the public schools. They uh, did all of these things. Uh, They would row out to these ships to rescue these shipwrecked sailors as best they could. These brave, heroic Uh, men would volunteer and risk their own lives to go out and to save the lives of others. What a beautiful picture they painted for us as the church. We too should be willing to risk it all to go out into our community and to save as many as we can. We should become servants to those who are lost, the spiritually shipwrecked in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, at our workplaces, and in our community, risking it all to save as many as we can. For the last number of weeks, we have been studying through Paul's letter to the Philippians, and we have seen some examples, many examples of mature living, people who were living for Jesus and people who were living like Jesus. We saw how we need to replace our pride with humility so we can put others first and ourselves last. And then last week, we saw how we can begin to grow mature in our faith, allowing our salvation to work out through us and grow up by holding firm to the word of God. We have seen the example of Jesus. Last week, we saw the example of Paul. And today, we are going to see the example of two others, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And we're going to see some true marks of a servant. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me over to the book of Philippians, not 1 Peter. Uh, the book of Philippians, chapter 2, and we're going to start there in verse 19. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back table. We'd love to give you a copy of one for you to take home as a gift from us to you. And if you're looking for Philippians in your Bible, it's on the right side of your Bible, uh, which is towards the back in the New Testament. It comes right after the book of Ephesians and right before the book of Colossians. 
Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to start there in verse 19. We'll also have it up here on the screen, so read along with me. Paul says, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I received the news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern or well, or for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interest and not those of Jesus Christ. So let's pause there for just a moment. So Paul was hoping to send his son in the faith, Timothy, to the Philippians so that he can find out how they are doing. We've already seen from chapter 1 of Philippians that Paul has this deep care for the Philippian church. He has the same passion for them that Jesus has for them. And he wants to, to know how they are doing. You have to remember this is a time before, you know, Twitter and Facebook and uh, even the internet, right? And so, like, if you wanted to find out how somebody was doing, you would have to write them a letter, send a messenger, and it, it could take weeks, right, to get news about how they're doing. So Paul hoped to send his son in the faith, Timothy, to them so he can learn how they are doing and that he could be encouraged. Paul wants to send Timothy because there is no one else that has the same type of care that Timothy has for the Philippians besides Paul himself. Timothy is a kindred spirit to Paul. He is equal in his deep care for the Philippians. Timothy genuinely has concern for these people, and it makes Timothy one of a kind. Timothy genuinely cares and is concerned about the welfare of the Philippians. He really cares for them. He really cared for other people. And I wonder, can we say the same? I, I mean, I know we ask people all the time when we first see them, hey, how are you doing? But do we really care how they respond? Do we really want them to be honest in their answers? Or is this just simply a greeting that we use? Hey, how are you doing? Do we truly care? Timothy truly cared for the Philippians, just like Paul. And remember, Paul longed for them with the same passion that Jesus longed for them. And Timothy does as well. Timothy is not like others who are only concerned about their own interests, only looking out for themselves. But Timothy cares enough about them because he is looking out for the interest of Jesus. And he shows us this first mark of a true servant. A true servant is someone who genuinely cares for others. It's someone who doesn't just have their own interest in mind, but has the kingdom of God in mind. Here at Journey Church, we put it like this. We say that all of us go out and build authentic relationships with the lost to communicate the good news of Jesus. And that authentic relationship with the lost is key because it's in and through these authentic relationships, these real and not fake relationships, that we are truly caring for other people. We are truly loving other people. 
So let me ask you, do you genuinely, authentically care for others? Both their physical and their spiritual needs? Or are you only looking out for your own interest? The first mark of a true servant is someone who authentically, genuinely cares for other people. I love how Jim Putman says it. He says this, he says, when we know and follow Jesus, we look at people differently. We don't judge them. Instead, we care for them and reach out to them in love. When we are disciples of Jesus, we speak and act and serve as Jesus did. Much like the Apostle Paul, the love of Jesus compels us to love other people. We long to see the lost, the unbeliever, reconciled to God through Jesus as we have been. And so we partner with God in this mission. We give him our our hands in service. We give him our abilities, our gifts, our skills. All are empowered by him and are on call by God for the mission to save the lost. Friends, when we are true servants of Jesus, we will be servants of others because we love them and we care for them because we are building authentic relationships with them. And when we are in authentic relationships with other people, real, genuine relationships with other people, we will be better positioned to see more clearly what their needs, both physical and spiritual, actually are. It takes us being in relationship with other people to be able to see what their needs are. And then, because of our authentic relationship with them, we will not only be able to see what their needs are, but we will be better positioned to meet their needs both their physical and their spiritual needs because we have built relationship with them. We have built relationship with them. Timothy was a true servant of Jesus and he was a true servant of others. In fact, Timothy was tested and proved. Look at our next verse there, verse 22 in Philippians 2. Paul says, but you know that Timothy, uh, excuse me, you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Timothy had proven himself. Timothy had served with his whole self for the work of the gospel. Literally, Timothy was a servant for the gospel. So let me ask you, as the church, how do we prove ourselves? How do we gauge our worth as a church? Here at Journey Church, we say it like this, that we put our faith into action when we mobilize to help our community and world, even when that means that we have to sacrifice and suffer to care for the needs of others above our own, because this is us following the example 
of Jesus. And as we have seen the last two weeks, this is us also following the example of Paul and Timothy now and countless others who have gone before us and shown us what it means to serve others. So how do we gauge our success as a church? Is it by numbers? Is it by how many people are sitting in the seats? Or do we gauge our success as the church by the lives that have been changed through Jesus. You see, this is important because how we gauge success will determine how we move and act and do. Now, not just us as the church, but what about us as individuals? How do you gauge your own worth and your own success? Is it by how much money that you make or the titles that you carry or how big your house is or what kind of car you drive or how much money is in your bank account? Or do you gauge your worth by how you have allowed Jesus to impact others through you for his kingdom? How do you measure our worth as individuals? And as the church, because this will determine how and when we use our resources and our time and our talents and our treasure and our energy and our stuff. You see, how we gauge our success and how we measure our worth will determine how we use the things that God has entrusted us to use. And again, I go back to this quote from Jim Putman. When we know and follow Jesus, we look at people differently. We don't judge them. Instead, we care for them and we reach out to them in love. When we are disciples of Jesus, we speak and we act and we think differently and we serve as Jesus did. We give Jesus our hands in service and our abilities and our gifts and our skills are all empowered by God and are on call for God's mission to save the world. So the first mark of a true servant is someone who genuinely cares for others. And the second mark, of a true servant is someone who gauges their worth by lives changed and not money in their bank or numbers of people sitting in the seats. A true servant gauges their worth by the lives that have been changed for Jesus. Let's look at the next verse in verse 23. Paul continues and says, I hope, therefore, to send him as soon, talking about Timothy, as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come to you soon. But I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to care for my needs." So now we have another example of a true servant. We have Epaphroditus. 
Epaphroditus is our next example of a true servant. Paul calls Epaphroditus a, a brother. He calls him a co-worker. He calls him a fellow soldier, a messenger. And, uh, and then he also calls him a minister, a servant of, of Paul's needs. He, he helped take care of Paul's needs. Epaphroditus most likely is the one who's carrying this letter back to the Philippians. He probably was from there, and they had sent him to be of service to the work that Paul was doing. And now Paul was sending him back with this message of encouragement to the church there. Epaphroditus, like Timothy and Paul, genuinely cared for the well-being of the Philippians. And in fact, he was willing to risk it all in the service of God's kingdom and in the service of other people. And we see this in the next verses. Look at verse 26. It says, For he, Epaphroditus, longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, not on him alone, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Epaphroditus had gotten sick. We don't, aren't told what type of sickness he had, but it seemed to be serious to the point of death, right? Um, but I want you to notice what Epaphroditus's mindset was. He was facing sickness. He was facing death. He was sick almost to the point of death. And what was his number one concern? It was to get back home. Now, when I'm sick, I want to get back home too because <laughs> I want Suzanne to take care of me, <laughs> right? But that's not why Epaphroditus wanted to get back home. You see, Epaphroditus wanted to get back home because he was distressed because the people in Philippi had become distressed because they heard that he was ill. And so they were distressed and he became distressed because they were distressed. He had their well-being as first priority. You know people like that? People when they are sick and they are suffering, their first response is, hey, what about them? Hey, how are you doing? And, and they really mean it, right? Do we know people like that? People that even when they are facing hardships and suffering are thinking of the well-being of other people over themselves. That was Epaphroditus. Even though he was facing even death, he was considering the well-being of the Philippians over his own. And this gives us our next mark of a true servant. A true servant is someone who genuinely cares for others. A true servant is someone who gauges their worth by lives change. And the third mark of a true servant is someone who puts the well-being of others above their own. Now, this isn't to say that a true servant doesn't look out and take care for themselves, right? But their mindset is others first and myself last. That's the mindset of a true servant. And we see this in Epaphroditus. Look at verse 28. Paul continues and says, Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. Paul 
is eager to send Epaphroditus back to them. He's eager to send him back home because Paul knows that he can worry less about the Philippians if Epaphroditus is there. And I believe this speaks to the character of Epaphroditus. He is someone who could be trusted. He is someone who could be trusted with the well-being of the church at Philippi. He could be trusted to carry out the work of the kingdom of God. He could be trusted that he was going to look out for the welfare of the church. Friends, you know when you can trust somebody, you can ask them to do something, and you know it's going to be done, right? When, when you trust somebody else, when you ask them to do something, you know that it's going to be done. You don't have to check back on them. You know that they're going to handle it. And when you trust somebody, you know that they're going to handle it correctly. You don't have to follow back up with them. You know that they are going to do it. A true servant has genuine care for others. A true servant gauges their worth by lives changed A true servant puts the well-being of others above their own. And the fourth mark of a true servant is, is someone who can be trusted to have the kingdom of God and its people's welfare as their first priority. Epaphroditus could be trusted to have the kingdom of God and the people in Philippi's well-being and welfare as, their, as his first priority. Friends, we see examples of the opposite of this all around us, even within the church. We see leaders in churches all over the place who are only concerned with their own interests and only are looking to other people what they can do for them. But friends, a true servant of Jesus and of others puts the priority and the protection of God's kingdom and his people first. They aren't going to do anything that would jeopardize the protection of the church. They won't put the people or the church in a position that would cause them danger, either physically or spiritually. It's kind of where we get this term in the New Testament called shepherd or pastor or elder. Our elders, our pastors are to be overseers. They not only guide, but they also protect. Paphroditus shows us that a true servant is someone who has the well-being of the kingdom of God It is people's welfare as their first priority. Listen to what Paul says in the next verse, verse 29. Paul says, So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help that you yourselves could not give. Epaphroditus was to be welcomed back with joy. And he and people who left examples like him were to be held in honor, not because they needed a place of honor, but they were to be held up as examples for others to follow. 
because Epaphroditus and others like him were examples of true servanthood. They were willing to lay down their life for the well-being and the protection of others because Epaphroditus had the same mindset as Jesus. Paul tells us in Romans 5 that a person will not easily lay down their life for a, a right, uh, for, for a good person, right? Or for a righteous man, but maybe for a good person, they would be hard pressed still to do that. But that God shows us his great love for us in while we were not either a righteous person nor a good person, in fact, we were enemies and sinners of God, God shows us his love by Jesus dying in our place. This is the mindset that Jesus had. This is the mindset that Epaphroditus had. He was willing to risk it all for others. He was willing to lay down his life in the service of the gospel, in the service of the kingdom of God. Friends, a true servant has genuine care for others. A true servant will gauge their worth by lives changed. A, a true servant will, will put the well-being of others above their own. A, a true servant can be trusted to have God's kingdom and his people's welfare as their first priority. And the last mark of a true servant is someone who is willing to risk it all to serve others. On March 31st, 1879, a violent storm swept across Nantucket Sound, bringing powerful winds, freezing rain, snow, heavy fog. And by April 1st, over 68 vessels laid wrecked or disabled in and around the island. And this led to the largest rescue effort in the island's history. Captain Thomas F. Sansbury and his crew of volunteers of Lifesavers rowed their surf boat out to the first boat, the John W. Hale. They rescued its crew, and then they rowed back to the safety of shore. They didn't just wipe their brow and say, whew, that was great. They hopped back in their boat, and they rowed back out. And they went to the next ship, the Emma J. Edwards. And this ship was ro uh, rolling back and forth between the waves and its masts were thrashing in the sea at every turn, which made it impossible for them to even get close to the boat. But they noticed that there was a single survivor who was on this boat. And so George Kaufman, one of the volunteers, grabs a line and ties it around his waist so that he isn't swept out to sea. And he jumps into the water and he rescues a survivor. And for the next 32 consecutive hours, Sansbury and his crew endured the hardships of the storm, moving from wreck to wreck and rescuing more than a dozen sailors. And his crew and many other crews were doing the same. And by the time the storm finally broke there, the Nantucket volunteers had rescued over 40 different sailors. The motto of this group was, you have to go out, but you don't have to come back. They were willing to risk it all to save others. These people were never paid, but they never lacked volunteers either. They risked everything 
to save as many lives as they could. Friends, our community and our world is full of those who are spiritually shipwrecked and broken and needy and hurting and lost. They are in our homes and in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces and in our classrooms. They are all around us and they are in need of us to go out and build authentic relationships with them so that God can open up opportunities for us to communicate the good news of Jesus with them so that we can do with all of our might, all that we may to save as many as we can. Friends, do you genuinely care about others? Do you gauge your success by lives changed? Do you put the well-being of others above your own? Are you someone who can be trusted to have the kingdom of God and his people's welfare as your first priority? And are you and I willing to risk it all to serve others? We have seen the example of Jesus and Paul. And today we have seen the example of Timothy and Epaphroditus. These are the marks of a true servant. So how can we be true servants this week to others? How might we build authentic relationships with our family and our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends and our teammates and our classmates? How can we genuinely care for the needs of others, both the physical and the spiritual needs of others this week? takes us having the same mindset of Jesus and humbling ourselves and not gauging our success by anything but lives changed. It takes us putting the well-being and the welfare of others above our own. And friends, as we begin to do this and as we begin to see these marks of a true servant in our life, we will begin to discover more and more joy for our journey. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for the example of these servants of Timothy and Epaphroditus and the many others who have gone before us, who have risked it all to serve your kingdom and to serve your people. Father, help us not to just put them up on a pedestal and say, oh, look at them. But Father, help us to see the marks in their life and help us to have those same things in ours. Help us to humble ourselves so that we can put the needs of others above our own. Even, even when we have to sacrifice and suffer to do so. Because this is what your son Jesus has done for us. We thank you that you have shown us your great love for us. And while we were still your enemies and sinners, your son died to take our place. Father, we thank you for the grace that has provided. But Father, we thank you also for the example that that has given us. Father, help us to put the needs of others 
above our own so that we can become true servants of your kingdom and true servants of other people so that by all possible means you may save as many as you can. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We ask all of this in his name. Amen.